Welcome to the Delish Guestless Podcast, a deep dive into the lives and work of Hong Kong's crazy food and beverage industry leaders, hosted by The Beat Asia. This episode, we sit down and chat with burger enthusiast and tastemaker Michael Chan, the doctor turned founder of Asia's hottest burger brand, Honbo. Ranking as one of the best burgers in the world by Bloomberg Magazine in 2020, Honbo is six years old and has made waves locally with its four sleek and yummy locations in Hong Kong. A newly opened store in Macau's Lisboeta Hotel in summer 22, and plans to bring the brand to Singapore. Listen to Michael's incredible story from the surgery table to the kitchen now, only on the Delish Guest List. You've only been interviewed a few times now, by Lifestyle Asia, uh, by Pacific Place as well. I think, um, like back in 2017, I've been interviewed quite a lot of times. Yeah. But over the years, I really want to shelf the narrative of my background and just focus more on the brand. That's why I stopped taking interviews personally. So what inspired you to come over here? Because I've never been on a podcast. So it's an interesting sort of... Uh, yes, interesting. Uh, expedition. It's, it's better to actually speak for yourself than to tell someone the story and then they write it out so people can actually hear what I actually want to say. So I think it's a little bit different. Do you think the story of Honbo is the story of Michael? No. I think the story of Honbo is just the story of Honbo. story of Honbo. Yeah. But the interesting part about how it was created in 2017 or even the years before that, Honbo didn't just begin six years ago. It began, I guess, an idea in your head, that, that tickle... You didn't really feel comfortable in your previous career and you really wanted to... I think like what I feel comfortable, not comfortable in my previous career and then the story of it is almost separate. It's just a coincidence that I, you know, have that identity and, you know, I was a doctor. But I think the story of Humble itself is more interesting. If I am to think about a company that I want to build, right, and I want to last 100 years, it will last beyond me. So my story would not be significant in the grand scheme of things, you know, if I think about it like that. That's why I think the story in its own is actually more interesting than my background. It's just so happened that my background have, you know, a little bit of story behind it as well, I think. So for people that don't know Michael Chan, let's start in the beginning. So um, I was born in Hong Kong and then... um. I went to uh, Vancouver to do high school. So I did um, four years of high school in Vancouver. And then I went to McGill. And then I did a Bachelor of Science degree. And then I did a um, medical doctor degree afterwards. So, and then I did um, two years in LA and I came back to Hong Kong. When I came back to Hong Kong, it wasn't really easy to get your doctor's um, degree kind of transferred back to Hong Kong. So you have to redo all these licensing tests and stuff. And I just decided that I don't really want to do it. And I didn't really think that doctoring was really up my alley because of my uh, genetically lack of empathy. So I just thought that it would be easier. And I really wanted to start my own business. So that's how I started Humble. In 2017, it was before Shake Shack and Five Guys were in Hong Kong. And I was in LA for two years and, you know, North America for all these years. And I really think that North American food is really underrepresented in Hong Kong. And people always think, like, when it comes to North American food, it's always like Ruby Tuesday, you know, McDonald's and KFC, right? But to me, um, North American food is 
much more diverse. And I think that craft burgers are a thing that doesn't exist in Hong Kong. So I kind of just took a gambit that I think Shake Shack and Five Guys is going to come to Hong Kong. So I opened a burger place. It's because I think that um, there's no craft burger place in Hong Kong. And if they are to come to town, it would only be beneficial to me because they would propagate the burger culture. And the other thing about burgers that I think is universally very easily understandable because McDonald's everywhere. You don't have to explain to people what is a piece of meat in between, you know, two buns. So for me, it's very, I guess there was like a business decision and a gamble to just do burger. Because I think if you actually do it properly, if you make your own bun and then you kind of do your meat yourself, you can have a really great product and people understand it. And that's how we started. So we started in 2017 and then in 2018, end of 2018, I think Five Guys opened and then Chick Shack opened right after. So it's kind of like we bet on something that's going to happen and it happened and it turned out to be amazing for us. Do you feel like living in North America at the time qualified you to sort of be an arbiter, like a, a representation of American North American food in Hong Kong? If you weren't living in Canada and the US, do you think you'd have still come back to Hong Kong and represented another country? I think burgers was just something, you know, I wanted to do something in food and beverage. Mm. I think just mm. burgers is something that's just really accessible and very understandable universally. Because if you want to open a restaurant in Hong Kong, you want something that people can understand. If I'm to open a barbecue place in Hong Kong, I really don't think that I would have the audience <laughs> like um, burgers have. And, you know, we grew up with McDonald's and we grew up with all these, you know, fast food places. And I always think that there needs to be a better version of the fast food version of what you eat at McDonald's. And I think craft burger places in Hong Kong, you know, there's few and far between. But the people who actually have these places, they are not actually representing what it actually is, like the food actually is, right? Because I was in L.A., I was in New York City. I understand it's such a simple food, but there's so much variation of a take that you can do on it. And when I was back in Hong Kong in 2017, I think most of the people, they took like the really extravagant route of, you know, representing burger. It was like foie gras, sea urchin, you know, caviar. But for me, I think if you are to compete on an international level, you have to do the basic product really, really well. Mm-hmm. And that's what we started to do. So that when, we fir- when I first started to have this concept of doing a burger place, we import our own meat. Wisconsin beef, correct? Yeah. So we make up own buns. Jeez. We make our own potato, potato buns. buns yeah. Well, yeah. And then all the sauces we make from scratch, even the pickles is from scratch. So we figured that if we actually do everything from scratch, which is actually what all of these North American or you know Canadian craft burger places do, we can have a really, really strong product. And luckily, we actually can you know achieve all that. We found a baker in Hong Kong who can contract bake our bun, our recipe, and then we found the beef that we want. And the beef that we actually use now is um, actually an older cow from Wisconsin. So it, it's, it's really, really beefy and have a really nice taste to it. So everything added together makes, I think, one of mm. the best burgers we have in Hong Kong. It's my favorite burger. Awesome. Nothing beats it. What is it about the quality of a Honbo burger that sets you apart? Is it the education that you need to do? Or is it really, you're getting this real fresh product. It's not imported buns. It's not imported patties. You can taste 
the real flavors coming and made in Hong Kong, do you really need to teach people? Or do you just have them eat it and they know exactly, right, this tastes better than anything? I think you have to eat it once and you go eat something else and then you'll know it's better. If you can, if a normal person can taste that it's better mm. than something else, the amount of margin that it has, the work that have to go in to make it taste better is insurmountable. I, I don't know if it makes sense. Like if you go to a spaghetti house and you go to peachy, right? And then <laughs> you, you realize that peachy tastes better. It's probably 10 times the amount of work Absolutely. that went into it. But then people are just like, oh, yeah, well, it tastes better. But they don't know how much work you have to go in for a normal person who is not from a cooking or chef background or not from a restaurant background to, to, to realize that it tastes better. Mm. It's a lot of work that went into the product. Do you think Honbo, it was necessary to do so much work to, to create everything from scratch, to really set yourselves apart from McDonald's, from Shake Shack, from uh, KFC, all these brands that have lived here for, for quite a while? I think actually it is necessary just because I, I, it, it's important to me. Because mm-hmm. I know that Five Guys and Shake Shack is going to come. I think that when they come, there's more appreciation in burgers and then there's elevation of burger culture. That burger doesn't only exist in McDonald's. So if you want to compete with them, you have to taste better than them. You want the product to taste better than them. The only way is that you actually do the work mm. or you put in the groundwork. So for me, I think the most important part is, I guess, go back to like why you started burger, right? That's the question. So because it's something so simple. It's already known how to make it good. But, you know, corporate America have a way to spend $4 million in research so that they don't use to use fresh tomatoes, you know, in, 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 in their product. But at the end of the day, if you actually make the buns, grind the meat, and then make your own toppings, and make your own sauce, it will taste good. It's not rocket science. Mm. Making burger buns is not difficult. Grinding your own meat is not difficult. Making your own pickles is not difficult. The recipe, you can Google it online and you can do it yourself at home and it will probably taste really, really good. But the thing is, we try to do something simple in a very complicated way, uh, complicated way by, you know, adding all these like scientific process and, you know, mass produced process into it. We have four shops in Hong Kong, but we don't have a central kitchen because we insist on making everything in the kitchen. And we can because it's really not that difficult. So all the Western products that come outside of Hong Kong are imported directly into those stores and you make them fresh on site Yes, every day. Yeah, we do. Wow. Yeah. So from my perspective, you guys are setting yourselves apart from namely your, your two big competitors. You've got Shake Shack and you've got Five Guys. What I experience when I go into a Honbo is this is an American burger diner but it's on another level, like a very sleek, modern take. What is the feeling? What's the meaning behind, behind that? The, 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 the interior that you experience in every single Honbo store? I think you're correct, right? We want to have a modernized version of the American diner. And then we want to have all the food that is made, you know, in-house and from scratch. And we want to bring that kind of craft burger joint experience into Hong Kong that it doesn't exist before. Because we're not making burgers to be, you know, cheaper, uh, more price sensitive, you know, compared to our competitors. If you are to look at 
the burger places in Hong Kong, the people who I can actually satisfy, like who can tell you that they make their own buns and grind their own beef, we're probably the only people who can tell that we actually do that, and we are the definition of craft burger place in Hong Kong. And then interior design is mm-hmm. basically for me is to transform you back, you know, to America to like that kind of California vibe or like the old school diner vibe. Absolutely, yeah. So like the white and blue, which people always like ask, like why do we use blue in a restaurant, right? Because most of the fast food places they use like yellow, orange, you know, more vibrant, appetizing color. But the white and blue actually. I don't know if you heard the story before, but it's actually come from like the California Ocean, right? Because when you look out in Malibu, right, you see that white and blue color off the coast, and that is why we have that because we want you to be transformed back to that the old school Americana feel to it, and that's why the interior design actually is so important to us to have all these um, amazing interior designers that we hired to build out all these shops is so that people when they go in there. There is a nostalgia that comes with the food that is not apparent, but you can feel it. I think obviously as well, you, the attempt and the success, I would say, of bringing an American identity, an American product to Hong Kong, somewhat does still have to rely on Hong Kong tastes. You know, Honbo, it's an anglicized transliteration of hamburger and Cantonese. As well, the interior to me shouts Instagrammable. The social media shouts Instagrammable. The burgers, how they're created and <coughs> sort of packaged together on your plate. It's like Dakawe. Like it's the same exact sort of formula that a lot of restaurants use. Was this something like you wanted to emphasize as well? Like you can put yourself on Instagram and you're going to look amazing every day. I think it is a byproduct of the interior design. It's not something that we seek out to do, but it's the environment that we want you to sit in and enjoy your food because we're a food service restaurant. So we're not like, um, you know, order the counter and kind of restaurant. But for me, um, all the shops are trying to do is to kind of focus sense of nostalgia. So for my shop in um Sa in Macau, they kind of remind me of high school. So there's a, and then the shop in Sha Tin is like a really old school diner. Sometimes I think about the days, you know, when I was in high school in North America, mm. when I was in university, and then you have all these like, old school McDonald's. So when I was building it out, you know, the interior design, I always think about nostalgia is such a strong component of food, you know. Absolutely. It's such a, like a great seasoning, right, to me. So if you think about all the stuff that you have been when you're a child, and then you're an adult now, and then you can go back. It's like you're walking back down that aisle of nostalgia, but now... You're having the food that is better, and then you can drink there. So I think that is what inspired the interior design for me. And I think that's why people like to take pictures, because it reminds them of something that you don't see anymore. As I think about the old school McDonald's when you go when you're a kid, right? I miss those, yeah. And they don't exist anymore in Hong Kong. So it's important for us to kind of preserve that. That's why we designed it to look old school not just to be completely modern. What is the sort of reception that you get from Americans or sort of West Coast people coming over? Do they feel like they're eating a bit of slice of America? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Really? Yeah. We definitely have a, co- a lot of comments that's like, they say like really reminds them of home. Interesting. Do you think you would believe me if I said I've only had one McDonald's burger in my life and more Honbo burgers? No. 
Really? I've had only one McDonald's burger. Maybe you were too drunk to remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was after work, about like six o'clock. I was like, hmm, I've had some good burgers recently, but I'm going to try my first McDonald's burger. You've actually never had? I've had one. In your whole life? One in my whole life. You have really good parents. Yeah. They probably just barricade McDonald's from you. I know. I know, I know, I know. But the Honda burger, there's something in it. It's addicting. Thank you. Is there a sort of secret recipe? Is there a secret formula that you go against? Because I, when I taste a Honbo burger, I don't get that real powerful, overwhelming salt from the burger, but it comes through in the patty. You have really nice, like, salty butter that sort of seeps in and sort of leaks all this really oily, salty juice on the onions, on the secret sauce. What is it about the Honbo burger that beats, you know, another burger? I think it's just um, good quality beef that is fresh ground. And then you, the salt is the only seasoning it needs. Really? Yeah. And then that's, I think, it's what's a little bit different than our competitors. Because I think a little bit, uh, sometimes people use like MSG, you know, uh, different sort of um, additives and seasonings to it. But our only seasoning is salt on the burger. And there's no MSG in the whole no. restaurant? No MSG, no additive, wow. no nothing, right? It's just salt and Seriously. fresh ground black pepper. And then we paired the sauce, and the sauce have that really nice, creamy, and sweet texture to it that balances everything out. And then we don't have tomatoes because tomatoes suck in Hong Kong. Really? Why is that? Because they're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like, like, like the quality of the tomatoes in Hong Kong is just fucking terrible. Really? Yeah. I, I'm trying to get better eating tomatoes. I hate ketchup. And... Uh, you know, sometimes hate is a strong word. Why do you, why do you hate ketchup? Imagine having a condiment that tastes so sweet that it it sort of like takes away from any other flavor. Have you ever tried our Heinz crossover burger? You've not, unfortunately. You have to. You have to come really? try it. So what we did is that um, we had a crossover of Heinz. Um, you know, pre pandemic. Mm. So Heinz came up with a challenge to say, like, Hey, Hanbo, can you make a burger that tastes great with only ketchup? <laughs> so we actually went and did that. So what we did is that we actually, well, if you think about ketchup, right? What what is one thing that you have to that has to go with ketchup? Mustard. No, I mean food. Uh, <laughs> chips. Chips, right? Yeah. Fries. French yeah. fries. Yeah. French fries. Right. So what we did is that we actually made like a circular hash brown. Ah. But what we did is that we deep fried it in beef fat. Wow. Yeah, and we only have ketchup in the burger. And the thing that was really great about the burger is that you really didn't think that it needed any more else other than ketchup. So we have like the normal, you know, a burger patty with the onions and the pickles. And then we have this golden brown disc of hash brown that is fried in pure beef fat. And we just lace it Beautiful. with ketchup. And then when you eat it, you feel like, yeah, yeah, you get you get that. That's why it's called a Heinz burger because you really didn't need anything else into it. Like even a little bit of mayonnaise, you would think that it was too much. Do but we actually bring it back, you know, this summer. So you really should good. come to try it, yeah. This could be the first time in about eight years that I've, like, purposely eaten ketchup. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be awesome. I'm Ruben, host of the Delish Guestless podcast, here to tell you that we are published by the Beat.Asia, the fastest-growing regional publication for FNB News event coverage, nightlife happenings, youth culture, and more. Check us out at TheBeat.Asia for the pulse of Hong Kong and beyond. For now, let's circle back to Michael. 
Back in 2017, did you think you would be at your biggest four or five stores in deep in Hong Kong? Was there always a need to franchise? It's a simple product. It's a simple store. Did you want to spread the love of Honbo in Hong Kong? It was always my plan to open multiple shops in Hong Kong, but I never wanted to franchise it because for me, the quality is really important. Mm. And to be able to have that full control over your shop is important to me. So um, having four or five stores in Hong Kong was basically what I planned out five years ago, like five, six years ago. And we're, I'm just trying to realize like that vision. Beautiful. Yeah. Is it important about where the stores are? You know, McDonald's is everyone on every corner. They've got their catchment zones about how far someone can deliver your burger. But this to me seems a bit more intentional. You know, Harbor City has a great view in TST looking over the uh, Victoria Harbor. Sha Tin is really spacious. Chun Wan is in a really hip sort of reclaimed uh, factory space. Um, all the locations are purposely planned out mm. to be that way. Mm. So Harbor City, Sha Tin is always in our pipeline to get those locations and to open the space, you know, in that size with, with that view. Or else we actually we would have never, you know, took those locations. Yeah. So for the meals in Chunwan, it's important to me because I'm at the, those all those locations have something in common is that they actually don't have direct traffic in front of it. So I like to create the same vibe that we have in Sun Street, where we are on this pedestrian only street, you know, you're overseeing, you know, trees and like sky and stuff like that without direct, you know, cars mm. going in front of it. So most of us, all of the shops are basically there to replicate that kind of feeling. It's like something with like a unique experience in Hong Kong. I mean, two weekends ago, I decided to go to Ikea, but I live in Saingpun. I could have taken a 20-minute MTR to Causeway Bay, but instead I went to Chunwan because there was a Honbo there. Nice. Yeah. And I was like, this is a funky Honbo. You know, the yeah. one in Wan Chai, it's a cute sort of like street. The one in Chunwan, it's a bit more open, but it still has a real beautiful sort of color tone. Very friendly staff as well. So going on away from Hong Kong, is the cap at four or five? No. Not in Hong Kong? I think I think in Hong Kong, maybe we can do one or two more. But I do feel like there's enough of it to be accessible to most of the people. So mm. I don't think we need more. But in the future, we're focusing more on the APEC market. So Macau. So, yeah, we're we opened Macau. up in yeah. summer 2022, yeah. Yeah, and then now we're opening this summer in Singapore. Wow. Yeah. So going to Macau, you opened up in the Lisboa. Lisboeta Hotel. Yeah. In August 2022, why? You know, why? Why does Macau need a Hong Kong brand, a burger brand? I think Macau is a good gateway to the Chinese consumers, so it's great for us to kind of test run to see if our product actually works in a market that have a bigger uh, Chinese clientele. Yeah. Yeah. Is this a test run to see if a Honbo could be? A Shanghai product, a, a Beijing product, a Guangzhou product. Yeah, definitely. I would think wow. so. But I would say that we have not kind of find a way through mm. to it yet. I think um, a really tight menu in you know Hong Kong, a very westernized, you know, educated society. It works well when the shop is smaller, but when you go to China, you know, you go to Macau, the shop size is bigger. And you have more seats. And the game is a little bit different. Is because I think 
if you have a really strong core product, it works well. But people like that seasonality, and people like that, you know, kind of variations on the menu. Is that why I don't think we can provide at the moment? I think. Mm. Is that why you do have a varied number over the years, especially during the pandemic when it was a bit more closed off in Hong Kong, where you did have a few more collaborations? So with the Heinz collaboration, and then with a number of others, is that where you can innovate? And bring in new products, bring in new tastes. I think um, for the brand, it's important to have seasonal um, products that we roll out that people like, and then um, they will come back for it. Because for me, the collaborations are all great. You know, we have a lot of really successful collaborations with a lot of different brands. But I think what McDonald's and you know Shake Shack and our competitors really well is the um, seasonal items that they push out and then they take away. Mm. So, like McDonald's have all these Chinese New Year product that's really good. Shake Shack, I think Shake Shack in Hong Kong is probably the only uh, Shake Shack in the world that do seasonal rotations really? of of different things. Because if you go to Shake Shack in New York City, they have the same menu. They just came out with a Nashville burger today. Yeah, so that's why I think they're very smart to cater towards the um, Asian market because Asian market, I think the Asian market needs that variety. Mm. And with Singapore, why Honbo in there? Is it? I think you mentioned previously it's a bit more of a sister city, similar tastes, similar market. I think for Singapore is um, kind of logical next step for the mm. brand. Because as you mentioned, right? Um, if you are looking at some of the area that's very similar to Hong Kong in the Asia Pacific, I think most of the people uh, Singapore would come into mind. So you know they have a big expat crowd. Um, they have a very strong, you know, um, socioeconomic background, right? That is that they can spend on these kind of stuff, and then you don't have to educate them about burgers as well, right? Because you know they have McDonald's, they have other really great mm. restaurant burger places in, in Singapore. And I think uh, Singapore and Hong Kong have the same gap in the market. Is that if you go to spend money for dining in the middle market kind of segment, is really really lacking. What other markets are you looking at that you can tell us right now? China, definitely. Mm. Japan, Australia. We want to open in places that you can have multiple shops. You know, we want to open in city that actually understands the food. Like Philippines, also I think can be a good one. But there's so many cool countries in Asia that I think have an appetite for a really good, you know, classic American burger. And I just don't think that there's an offering there that can satisfy this need because you have more and more people, right, who are in Asia who are affluent, who have studied in North America and Europe. Or UK,、mm. you know, all these other countries, right? So when they go back, they really do want a taste、yeah. of what is out there. So for us, it is kind of our goal to provide this for the people. I know my Hong Kong friends who moved to Singapore over the summer; they're going to be very happy that Hombo is opening up. That's awesome. But with with three countries having a Hombo identity, then four, five, six, seven. Do you think? That's going to open yourselves up to introducing a bit more 
of that seasonality, a bit more of those local flavors, or do you think you really want to keep your mainstay? I think um, you're correct. Like in this, in the sense that when we open in Macau, when we open in Singapore, right? We really want to incorporate the local flavors into the menu, and then bring those back to the other countries. Like in Singapore, we're thinking about like you know, like Hainan chicken. Like, is there something we do a burger there, right? <laughs> Like when we go to Macau, we think about like, you know, the pork chop bun that you have yes. in Macau, the Portuguese chicken. Is there somewhere that we can incorporate that into a burger? And then can that special be delivered in another country, right? For us, Singapore, like chili crab, all these different mm. local flavors. We really want to get the chefs in the country to incorporate those into the menu and see if we can take these recipes and actually put it back into the shops in the Hong Kong in Singapore, so we can all experience those local flavors all around the world. Is this year 2023 going to be the most exciting in Honbo's history? I don't know. Really? Maybe 24 is more exciting. <laughs> or maybe 2025 is more exciting. But I'll let you know in a couple of years which awesome. one is the most exciting. Around what time can people expect to eat some Honbo burgers in Singapore? Um, July. July. This year, yeah. Awesome. You know, my birthday is July 4th, so if you guys can make it around that day, that would be good. That's great. Are you going to be in Singapore? Maybe. I might have to come. Yeah, you have to. (laughs) Beautiful. Michael, thank you so much for telling us about your story. We're going to go into the rapid-fire questions round. We have 15 questions, and we're joined with your wife, Candy, as well, who also works on the Honbo team, helping you to open up uh, Singapore. How's Honbo for you, then? I'm allergic to beef. You're allergic to beef? (laughs) Yeah. Wow, 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 wow. But you can have the chicken burgers? I can eat the chicken burger and the impossible. I usually try it with the impossible meat. The good thing is I can't tell the difference between impossible I can't. and uh, real beef. We actually had a Google review said that it's real beef. Really? Remember? No, um, when Impossible first launched, we had complaints that we were serving people <laughs> the wrong shit, <laughs> like the, the wrong thing, and like, and then they like angrily said that how dare you i'm vegetarian how do you serve me like real beef and i actually post that one star review with impossible people and i say that you should post it on your website we're so good at doing this impossible thing that people think that it's It's real beef beef. and it was so funny wow that they were convinced that it was real beef and we tell them no it's it's really (laughs) impossible but they told me, but it's bleeding. I was like, it's part of the <laughs> products, you know. What do you miss about eating in Montreal? Putin. And what do you miss about eating in LA, Candy? Salad. Oh, <laughs> you've got... No, we don't, get, we don't have good salads here. Who am I yeah, kidding? We know. This is a question for both of you. An answer very well. Otherwise, I'm going to be upset. Where do you get the best bagels from in the world? New York City and <gasps> Montreal. It's Montreal and then New York City. I think depends on style. The Montreal style bagel, you can kill someone, you know, with how hard it is. If you're going if you're in Montreal, what bagel are you eating? Saint Fieta. Oh absolutely. Yeah. yeah, my dad would be proud. What about you, Candy? I've actually never had a good bagel in my life. Really? Yeah. She've never been to Montreal, so she, she yep. needs to go. Why? But but, but same theater is open twenty four seven. That's f- the most crazy part about a bagel place. I mean, there's a lot of places that are open twenty four hours and when well, Hong Kong, but you don't get that sort of that prestige. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Do you prefer a beach holiday or a city trip? Beach holiday. City trip. Where are you traveling this year? She's going to Tokyo next week. Yeah. Nice. I'm staying in Hong Kong. Until Singapore. Until Singapore. Yes. When was the last time you went to Singapore? Maybe two months two ago. Months, one, <laughs> yeah. month and a half, one month and a half ago. Just to do some scoping out. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I actually went with Sean Dix. Oh, really? Yeah. Is uh, Sean Dix, obviously a famous F&B sort of centric architect in Hong Kong, will he be designing the space? He is designing <laughs> the space in uh, Singapore. Wow. You know, when, yeah, we went to Singapore to just suss out the space together, you know, take a look, get some inspiration from the local space. Nice. Yeah, it was Can very you fun. reveal in the sort of area where it is? It's in Chimes. Chimes. In, in Singapore. Nice. So it's very close to the Raffles Hotel where nice. they make the first Singapore sling. So mm. if you're a visitor, you know, going for a tourist drink, you can come have a burger after. Bit of some history. In a world where you weren't or not operating Honbo, what restaurant chain would you like to open? Probably a pizza place. Pizza place? I think pizza place. Oh, do pasta. No, I, I, but, but, but specifically slice joint. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pizza by the slice. Oh, I, yeah. I would definitely love to have a pizza by the slice place. Is it a New York style pizza? Any style, just by the slice. I, I, I just can't. I, I don't know why it doesn't exist in Hong Kong. There's a few. No. <laughs> but the few, that, the few that we know. Like, yeah, not to mention names. I just think that there needs to be a better pizza by the slice place everywhere in Hong Kong where, you know, you can just grab a slice. Let's hope there's a doctor listening on this podcast that sort of one foot out of the door in the hospital and thinking, oh, I just need to create some some restaurants in Hong Kong. Yeah, even a dentist or chiropractor, <laughs> anybody who's listening. What's the uh, the weirdest meat you've ever had? I think... I think uh, reindeer. Really? I, th- I, think, yeah. I think, to be honest, horse and whale is pretty weird mm. for me. I've only had buffalo. But buffalo is quite... They, yeah, <laughs> buffalo is very it's vanilla, you know. <laughs> yeah. Buffalo is very vanilla. I didn't thought it was common, yeah. <laughs> I had snake in Vietnam and I was like, wow, this is weird. And then obviously Snake I, tastes like chicken. It does. It tastes yeah. like... you. I think snake is actually pretty weird, to be honest. I had stir-fried snake. I didn't have snake in a soup. Mm. It tastes like it's boiled chicken, eaten, spat out, then put into like a little tube. Yeah. It's terrible. So coming back to Hong Kong local, you know, if your friend is visiting in town, where are you taking them? For breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner? Both of you guys. Dim sum places, for so sure. So dim sum for breakfast? Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's a good one? Uh, Lok Yu. Lok mm. Yu in uh, Central. What about for lunch? For lunch. Probably some kind of roast goose and barbecue like, meat. Yeah. yeah. No, I hate yellow. Really? Why? It's just... Not very good. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's really overrated. Really? I think so. I think there are people who do it better somewhere else. And um, for the price that they're charging, I think the interior space is fucking terrible. <laughs> I wouldn't pay 300 bucks to eat in a satan tang, right? <laughs> <laughs> what about for dinner then? Depends on where they're from. To be honest, the Japanese places in Hong Kong are very strong. So maybe any kind of omakase restaurant mm. would be a, would be a good take. If not, then I'll say hot pot because it's a quintessential Hong Kong experience. Big shout! Yeah. What's your uh, guys's favorite neighborhood in Hong Kong to eat in? For me, probably uh, where we live, um, Hong Kong, Kowloon Side. Mm. It's a good neighborhood around Wampoa. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Candy? Mm, I think around here, around Sanghpun. 
Mm. Yeah, it's my favorite neighborhood. Yeah, Shenguan Sangpen's got some interesting clay pot yeah. rice. Is good. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. Now they don't have any long lines. They don't. Cold weather stopped, so no one cares about your food. <laughs> I find. What is one food that you used to love as a child but now can never eat again? I used to love ketchup when I was a child, and now you guys know the story. Wow, that's a difficult question. That is very difficult. What do I like as a child? I think McDonald's. Mm. I think McDonald's actually kind of makes re- sense. Oh, yeah, I think really Hardee's for me. Yeah. yeah, because I used to live in Maunshan. There's a Hardee's in the shopping mall, <laughs> but then you don't find them anywhere. No, in Hong Kong. Mm. Yeah. I mean, once you create your own burger chain, it's pretty hard to go back to McDonald's. I know. Yeah. It's very <laughs> difficult. It's very difficult to even finish my own food these days. I think <laughs> I've had a lifetime full of burgers. So. <laughs> what makes you proud to be a Hong Konger? That diversity, mm. you know, of the city. And it's such, you know, resilient people. And I think that's like oh, yeah. what Hong Kong is about is just just fucking so diverse you know mm. you have so many different kind of cuisines in here mm. not in terms of food different kind of people and the people here they are really really tough so it's great i think it's the language i think cantonese is one of the hardest language to learn yeah the language too yeah. nobody can swear like hong kong people absolutely very very creative people too when it I comes know. to swearing yeah or anything else to be honest I know when someone's talking about my mother, but don't really know the context there. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite part or thing about Cantonese cuisine? Dim sum, hundred percent. Barbecue meat. I think barbecue Yeah, barbecue yeah. meat and dim sum. Very mm. difficult. You you basically cannot have it any other way in the world. Oh yeah, there's nothing like it. What has been both of your proudest moments of your F and B career? To survive COVID <laughs> is my proudest moment. Good. I think for events. now to to survive COVID for now. For now, yeah, COVID has ended, but survival, survival. I think, <laughs> I think, I think, being able to be in the business, you know, for more than five years, yes, is something Crazy. that I'm really proud of because it has been tremendously difficult to last until today at that, you know, operating condition. Mm. So beyond Singapore, my final question is: What are you guys cooking up in the next few months that you guys want to uh, share with the the delish guest list? I think you guys who are listening from Quarry Bay can, you know, be excited for something to come soon. Very ominous, but interesting. But it might or might not be haunted. <laughs> well, thank you guys for coming on the podcast. No worries. It's been amazing. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Nice. Keep your finger on the pulse and tap follow to keep up with the Beat Asia to hear more colorful chats and rich stories. This episode is hosted by myself, Ruben Verabas. Big shout out to Michael Chan for coming on the Delish Guest List to share his story. Our producer for this episode is Marcus Trema, and we are edited by Natsuki Arita. That's all for this episode. See you in the next one.